Hello, it is Bring It In. It's Thursday, not Friday. You guys got to get a little, a little used to that, but it's still me, Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm so excited to launch our Thursdays with Gerard instead of Fridays. Because <laughs> it means I actually can do some other stuff on Fridays. Exactly. Today. It's summertime. We got to be able to, right. you know, kick back and do other things. You know, we got a lot going on. We're very busy and important people. Um, Coach, I, I, I joked to you off air that this is summer mixtape season. Every time I turn <laughs> on my Instagram or my, or my Twitter feed, it's like, oh, Lord, here we go. Highlights of this player, that player. Rico runs and Drew League and crossover pro amps. Like, all right, like, cool. Like, I want to know who's going to do what come the season. But we'll get to that in a minute. A new piece dropped from you today on Bronny James, the most scrutinized and tuned or reviewed and talked about high school player in the country because he is the oldest son of one LeBron James. And he, I mean, he's not the best high school player in the country. I mean, he's even in the top 50. Yeah, he's ranked 39 right now. Okay. By ESPN. Right. So let, let's just say top 100 because they're all about the same after five. Right. So, you know, in the top 100, but, you know, because of who his dad is, he gets talked about a lot and scrutinized. And it's, you know, it's almost, cha- it's, it's a, such a challenge for any son or daughter to go into an industry where their parent is maybe the best who's ever done it in, in, that, in that's, that feels history to then try to also do that thing because you're always going to be compared and measured to that. And it's frankly unfair because, this child is their own person allow them to grow into who they want to be and i don't know that Bronny's going to get that chance but you wrote a great piece talk to us about what you've seen from him this summer because you wrote something uh earlier february. this winter yep february, february yeah. about him what have you seen then from february and now to what he's done this summer and you know when in february he's playing for his high school team which was i think number two in california at the time which means very good a couple other high major players he was a role player. He, he wasn't a primary ball handler commonly. Um, he, he went long stretches without touching the ball or taking a shot. Uh, I liked him fine. I, I, you know, this is the development process of, on a really good team, just like you see in the NBA or college, where if you're not the best freshman, you got to find a way to get on the court, earn your way into more playing time and more touches and all that kind of thing. Well, now he's playing for his AU team, which is not a very good AU team. I think it's LeBron's team, Strive for Greatness, mm-hmm. I believe is their mm-hmm. name. And um, he's, you know, he's their primary scorer, one of their primary ball handlers. He's definitely playing the part of someone more assertive. Uh, He doesn't do a lot of things I still wish he would, Um, but it's it's a process for him. And I think that uh, there's a real chance that he'll grow into more of a scorer. He's not much of a scorer now. Uh, I think his best game in the Peach Jam, which was their mm-hmm. the final event of the they call the EYBL Nike AAU mm-hmm. season, he had mm-hmm. 28 points in one of the yep. games, which is mm-hmm. good. Um, I can envision him scoring 50 in a game in high school this year. You know, he'll have a game where he makes you know eight threes and 14 shots, and mm-hmm. that gets him halfway there pretty much. Uh, but he's got to do the other stuff. The good news is he he really sees the game. He's got a great pace. He's under control. He's an excellent passer and a willing passer. Hit-ahead passes, half-court pick-and-roll reads, a lot of no-look passes, which isn't so easy at that age. He's kind of sees it pretty well. Competes on defense, uh, tries to make plays. But most importantly, I think, for his, his comportment, he carries himself like a pro, mm-hmm. which is what you'd, you'd want, maybe even expect, but you don't mm-hmm. always get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no dancing around after scoring. He's playing defense. Yeah, There's... There's subtle high fives. 
there's, you know, he's clapping. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine what he's going through day to day. Yeah. Six million Instagram followers. Um, it's, a, it's a little different than the Ball Brothers. Their yeah, dad was kind of famous for being a bit of a clown mm-hmm. and, a, and a, 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 just a talking guy. Right. Their, their talents had to carry the day. Mm-hmm. Bronny's LeBron's son. And so uh, as a parent of two who are just four years older than him, I, I empathize with that challenge of just trying to be a, like, it's his only life. Yeah. He didn't choose it. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's got to find some normalcy in that. Mm-hmm. And I think he's done an amazing job of that. It seems no one really knows behind the scenes. Uh, I give incredible credit to uh, the James family, mm-hmm. mom and dad in particular, LeBron and his wife, mm-hmm. uh, whoever's guiding him, mentoring him, coaching him. They, he seems like a quality young man, which I think is the most important thing long-term. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. He doesn't have to be a success to be able to have money in his pocket the rest of his life. Dad's no. going to take care of him as I would if I had a billion, I take care of my kids. somewhere now. I'm no billionaire. Um, he just, he looks like a great teammate, fun guy to be around, not, not a clown. Uh, but he also has a chance to be a very good player. He's got to make some choices, what he wants to do in college. Mm-hmm. If he goes to college, he's got other options. I write about that. Yep. Does he go to a place where he scores more? Does mm-hmm. he go to a place where he can just win games, be the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are, these are, he gets to make that choice. I hope, I hope yeah. he makes a choice and not team LeBron. So this, this dovetails in the early part of the piece that you wrote, which I really enjoyed. And this is you talking in the piece. Whether I'm working mm-hmm. with a player who wants an NBA contract or an all-star striving for an even bigger payday, I tell them the same thing I would sell teenagers shooting for a collegiate scholarship. Don't just let them see your talent. Make them feel it. And I think you know, you see, right? You see Bronny's talent, right? It's, it's evident, right? But to your point, on his high school team, because Sierra Canyon had at that last year, I don't know what the situation is going to be this coming season, a lot of high major players, you maybe more saw his talent than felt it, right? On his AAU team, because maybe he is the more, you're seeing him feel it more. What's the best sort of opportunity for him to really develop, right? Because it seems like he's got a lot of that, his dad's DNA in terms of basketball player from a see the court and help everybody else, help us, right? We get to the win versus, okay, but you know what fires the synapses and it's dunks and threes and all that that gets everybody, ooh, ah, jumping out of their seat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so a uh, couple of things. So first of all, let me talk about feeling it. Uh, I'm going to go way back to the 90s. I'm coaching in uh, the National AAU champ, one of the National AAU championships. There's, there's a lot. And uh, I've got a team of all juniors and one senior. The senior was the best player in Florida. The jun- I had four or five high major players and one NFL, future NFL wide receiver. Uh, played at, I played at Auburn on my team. He was my sixth man. And uh, one of uh, three of the players were kids that oh, more than three, but three starters were kids that I trained when they were in high school. These were all rising juniors and seniors in high school. It was October. So there were juniors in October of their junior year. So I had a player named Mike McFarland, mm-hmm. who's uh, maybe a six, two, six, three shooter, but long arm, big hands, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy. To give an example, how smart he was when he was a, when he was a senior, he went to Oak Hill. He, tra- he left me, I, I told him to go because his high school coach was so bad. He roomed with Ron Mercer at Oak Hill mm-hmm. and won the African-American essay challenge as a very pale dude. <laughs> he, 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 got, he, got, he won every academic award they offer. He's now a, a medical doc. He's an emergency room doctor, surgeon. Like, he's a brilliant guy. But he made a play in a game. The ball's going out of bounds on the far end of the court, um, Gerard, and he starts chasing it. 
And it's, he's no reason to get to it. But he chooses to, I don't remember this, by the way. He dives parallel, crashes on the ground, doesn't come close to the ball. Everyone's 80 feet away from him. He was on the other end of the court. He gets up and like starts doing pumpers and challenging our guys. Uh, to, like, if I can give that effort, you motherfuckers can too. And uh, after the game, this I think it was in the semifinals, we win. Lon Kruger was the head coach of Florida at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that might have been the year they went to the Final Four. He said to my assistant coach, who was my younger brother, Ricky, he said, tell Mike, we got a scholarship waiting for him. They, they had never offered till that point. Uh, and, oh, he felt Mike. He felt him. He's also our best shooter, a very, very good defensive player. Um, kind of like a Joe Harris type. I remember and, him in college. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, that's how you make someone feel you. Is you. It's not just the dunks and the threes. What else are you doing? Uh, are, you, uh, are you racing the court to pick up a guy that fell down? Right? Are you taking the big charge with two minutes to go against the biggest dude on the other team? Like, there's so many ways you can be felt. And I think that's such an important thing. And so when I watch Bronny, now keep in mind, if he wasn't Bronny James, I don't know if I'd feel him the same. But knowing what I know about what his life must be like and still seeing him be so normal, so approachable, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a clown. He doesn't care if the cameras are on him. He knows they are. He doesn't play to them, Gerard. I think that matters. That, that goes towards building culture. If you bring this young man into your college team, let's say, uh, but he, he's all about the cameras, that's going to f- affect his teammates and your team. I don't think that's how he yeah. plays. So I really love that about him. So I, I would like to see him. Well, I, honestly, I want to see him do whatever me, moves him the most. Mm-hmm. The, the argument is if you go to a Rutgers, which is there's some mm-hmm. report that he's going to go there, uh, I think it's fair to say he's going to go wherever Clutch has a client who's the head coach. It mm. seems likely that he'll go play for a Clutch coach, right? Shouts to Rutgers, my alma mater. Hopefully he goes there. I'll get season okay. tickets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get in line now, right? Get in line now. So uh, if he goes there, he's probably going to have to score more. And that's going to be good for him. If he doesn't do well, that's going to be bad for him. There's no guarantee he's going to be a great scorer. Uh, and I compared him to my first piece in February to Kobe White. He's Mm -hmm. built similarly to Kobe White. He's got that kind of speed. I think White's shot is gorgeous. I think LeBron, Bronny's shot looks gorgeous. He doesn't make a lot of them. And I speculate why in my piece, but he's been taught very, very well. Uh, Kobe White scored almost 4,000 points in high school. Like that's a scoring machine. Mm -hmm. I mean, really incredible. That's not how Bronny plays. So there's a risk to going to somewhere you've got to score more. Unless... Rutgers is loaded with talent around him, and maybe they will be. You go to a Kentucky, a Duke, or all these top schools, he gets to be the lead guard to run the team. Doesn't mean he won't score some points in some games, but to run that team and maybe win a championship. You remember, Davion Mitchell was not considered a first-round talent at Baylor. They won the championship, and he was a lottery pick. Mm -hmm. So there's an argument that Bronny takes that route. Um, My big thing is, I hope he chooses. Uh, He's been raised well. I'm not telling LeBron how to be a dad and his mom how to be a mom. But in my experience in working with teenagers would be, is it dictates that you spell out all of his options. Here's our plus and minuses as we see them. Uh, You make the call. We're behind you a thousand percent, son. We would, no matter what, if when you don't do that, 
is I think it's a big reason why you see over a thousand players enter the portal for transferring every year. By the way, there's still hundreds in the portal, I'm sure, yeah. because there's not enough room for them. There's no scholarships for them or an opportunity, yeah. uh, a place to play. So you don't want that. You want these yeah. guys to take ownership of their own choices because they'll, they'll work through the rough spots. Every, every freshman has a rough spot. There's a better chance they'll get through it if they own the decision to begin with. If it's someone else's decision, the, the, their stick-to-itiveness isn't quite the same because it wasn't their choice. It was someone right. else's choice. So I hope that's the route they take is let him choose. When you talk about choice, I wonder, and you said, you know, you're not going to tell LeBron how to dad or parent or Savannah how to mom or, or, or be a parent. But do you think the talk from LeBron about wanting to play with him is, I don't want to say good or bad, but is that, is that helpful in his development or not helpful? Oh, I don't think it. it, I don't think it's helpful. I don't think LeBron means it is. I I certainly don't. It's from all indications. He seems like a very connected, loving dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a a one reason why I I wrote this years ago. Uh, One reason why I thought he would go to LA is because he wanted to pursue a career in films as a filmmaker, not just an actor, or not even mostly as an actor, mostly as a filmmaker, the money behind it, the producer behind it. And you can't play in Cleveland or Toronto or pick Brooklyn and then do movie making in LA and still call yourself a family guy. Sorry, mm-hmm. like you don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if all of your occupations are where your family lives full time, yeah, you can. And so I think he is a family man. That being said, I think LeBron was trying to tell 29 other GMs, start planning for this, mm. and then we can make it happen. Uh, but no, I don't think it's the best thing for his son, because quite frankly, it puts him on a clock that's not fair. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that he's, I don't care about ready or not for the NBA. I don't know that the NBA uh, is, is going to be a place where he can earn a living right after one year of college. Maybe. I mean, it's certainly possible that he can physically mature. Although I think I was telling uh, our editor, Travis here yesterday, I I think he's got some growing to do, not just physical Mm -hmm. growing, but maturing. He looks like he's 15. Mm -hmm. I I know from experience, I did too at that age. And my son still probably looks 15. When you can shave with your thumbnail at 21, like my son could, (laughs) it's a sign that you've got some physical maturing to do. And I was the same. So I, I, who knows what he ends up, not just growing height wise, but overall as an athlete, um, his body already looks great. It's going to look better, but, uh, he should be allowed to play three years in college if he wants to, like it, mm-hmm. it's, it should be his choice. And, and quite frankly, I believe LeBron would say if, if it came down to the fact that his son said, I dad, I don't want to leave school. I think, I think LeBron would say, okay, like I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to keep playing. You got to do you. I, I believe that he'll, that's what he'll do. What do I know? But that's what I think. Um, another piece from another line from your, your piece, Bronny is being assessed by millions of people, 99% of whom are basic fans who are incapable of seeing him as what he is a teenager learning how to play ball mistakes and lots of missed shots are part of the process. They simply have to happen before progress takes flight. And you know, we always talk about progress is not linear, right? It it would be wonderful if it was, but it's not right. It's a lot of this and hopefully your growth curve goes up, right? That's what we hope, but a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, for for Bronny, what do you see as you say if he wants to play three years of college, that's the way to go. He should do that. G League Ignite, if that's a thing where you think he can get the best development as a player development coach, what would you be advising him to do? I know you said it's his decision, 
But what would you be advising based on what you've seen from a basketball perspective and then knowing what you know about teenagers and maturity and all that? Uh, well, he, he definitely wants to go somewhere where he'd play. And so you've got to make sure that there's a, a place for you in the lineup where you'll either come off the bench a lot or, or start. And um, honestly, my strong advice for him would be, where will you be happiest as a young man? You only get this one chance. If you go back to college in your 20s, it's just not the same thing. There, there is a uh, naivete, there's an innocence to college, you know, into being a college student that is gone when you grow up. You can still take the classes. It's not the same thing as college. It, it's almost like you're supposed to be dumb. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sweetness to being, I mean, I was really dumb. There's a sweetness to it. I, I won't go into detail, and I don't want Bronny to do this, but t- two of my cl- closest friends in college on day one of campus or freshman year, day one, this was like during rush week, school hadn't started, they climbed to the top of the O'Connell Center where the Gators play basketball. Even then they did. And they got caught. And so the next morning, a, a good five days before our first classes, I didn't know them at this point, uh, the dean of the school had to call their parents and say, your son's an academic probation. They just started. School class didn't even start yet. Right. Meanwhile, one's a prominent lawyer. One's got an EDD and he was the principal of the school. Like these are not dumb guys, but they were just dumb 18 year olds who thought, hey, I'll have some beers and go climb a building. Uh, but there, there's a sweetness to that that I want Brian to experience because when you... This league is so hard. This is the best league in the world, which means it's the hardest league in the world to succeed in, period, end of story. And so it's, it's a grind, and it's full of ups and downs, much more so than college should be. And I, 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 as I told my kids many times, don't rush to leave. We've had to slow them down a little bit because they took so many college courses in high school. Uh, don't be in a rush to leave. So that would be the first thing is where, like, do you like the food? Do you like the teammates? What, what about... The, cl- the major that they offer, you're going to be doing something after basketball. Maybe you want to do films like your dad. Maybe unlike your dad, you can study filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like there's lots of options that you have. On the basketball side, which I think you're, you're really leaning towards in your question, he needs, he needs to go somewhere where they really focus on development, which is not mm-hmm. typical. Not many places. <laughs> and they've got to give him the green light to score. Um, you know, I don't know what happens to John Morant and Damian Lillard if they go to Kentucky. I don't know. They didn't. We'll never know. Maybe they'll still be a t- top six, top seven pick. It's certainly possible. But they had a chance to really find themselves. Because it, you may be great, but a lot of these schools already have a great player too. And just because you project as a better NBA player doesn't mean you're already better at this age, especially if they're a year older uh, than you or two years older. So he's got to... He, he, He'd benefit from that. I think that going to a high major place, while maybe more suited to deal with the press that's going to follow him, uh, as right. opposed to a mid-major or even lower. Like, I don't care if he goes to a, a Jackson State or whatever. Go, you know, it'd be right. fine. They'd be, right. uh, Florida A&M and, and Tallahassee. Um, they're not as prepared to deal with yeah. all of that kind of attention. But uh, the high majors also are not going to give him the green light the way another school might. Um, and I really hope he considers not just being a one and done guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let, let your success dictate. Uh, if, if the NBA is ready to draft you in the first round after one year, even if you weren't great, fine. Right, take the money. But if if they're right, if they're not, go enjoy college, get better there. Uh, you, again, money's not an issue for him. We, no. I always would say this to players: when money's not an issue, enjoy college as much as you can because when it's over, it's over forever. 
Murray State and Weber State, uh, uh, you know, where where Dame and 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 Ja Ja yeah. played. I mean, imagine him doing a three year stint there. Then after his junior year, it's like, oh, he's all conference. He's and he it took him on this like run to the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight. It's like, hey, I I hear what you're saying. That now I think you are now ready for the NBA in a different way, right? right. Than you might have been at 19 or right. whatever. Right. It never it never matters that in, in, in the real terms, the NBA drafts guys aren't ready habitually. So that, that's always what people say. It, it doesn't matter. But to, to your point, it's almost like he's earned something that has nothing with his last name. He could be mm-hmm. Joe Smith. He, took, mm-hmm. he still took Davidson to the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. like Steph Curry did. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter mm-hmm. who Steph Curry's dad was. That dude just took Davidson to the Sweet 16. When you do something like that, that's your accomplishment. And I'm telling you, as, as someone who's in this world somewhat well-known as a basketball person, I'm very aware of that for my son. Like he, he gets to be successful or not successful on his own merits. Uh, that would be the goal. It isn't always that way. He, he's told me he felt he let me down if he wasn't great in a cer- certain game, as if he should automatically be great because he's my son. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But teenagers think ridiculous things all the time. Yeah. So yeah. for Bronny to accomplish that on, daddy doesn't help him one bit win a game right. if he's at Weber State or wherever right. he might go. Right. He's got to do that himself. Yeah. And yeah. that would be a hell of a feeling for him. And, and I think to your point, as you mentioned in the article, it allows him to make mistakes and grow, right? Because that's, that's the journey. Like you, yeah. failure is how he gets better, right? Not yeah. going to Kentucky and like feeling like I have to be perfect. And like, not. Nah, it's like, mm, you're not going to really maybe touch all the areas of your game that you probably could if you, you know, you're somewhere else. So I like that. Um, as I mentioned, it's mixtape season. Um, we're, we're, we're getting reports, coach. I see James Harden. He's looking amazing. I see, or, you know, at least on video, right? I'm seeing all these things. And I always wonder, because you are a player development guy, but often what I see are pickup games, black ops, basketball. And again, I, these, this is not commentary against the people who run those pickups and those, right. none of that. What I'm saying is that, from what I understand, is playing basketball. And I don't know how high level it is. You can tell me versus the work you do with an NBA or an overseas cast, which is no, we are working on developing skills so that come your season, you can actually apply them to a game. And I think there's like a healthy balance of both, right? You have to practice it and then play with it to see how what you've done and then come back to the lab and work on it again. What's, what is your overall philosophy and approach to when you're working with guys? And I bet it's different. The older you get, you maybe want them to play less because they're old and do right. more skill development. When you're younger, okay, you can play. How do you talk to your guys about Playing versus let's work on skills. Okay, so the, look into, into three different ways. You've got uh, workout guys mm-hmm. who are p- players that uh, people that are put you typically former players put you through drills. Maybe make a point to you here and there, especially as it relates to accomplishing the drill you want to do. Hey, you got to make five shots from here and three shots from there and whatever. Two dribbles on this. Then you've got I think what I do, what I've always done. Remember, I, there was no workout guys. When I first started, I, I so supposedly kind of invented the business, but we weren't workout guys. We were player development guys and it was game development. It wasn't shooting coaches. It was game development. So we're, we're putting together our workout. Yes, we'll be at drills, but it's not about the drills. It's about the teaching. It's about the progress that, that has to be made. It doesn't matter if you make the shot, if you looked bad doing it, the process matters more. So I do, I often would finish workouts with guys shooting from 35 feet when they're tired. I don't care if they miss 15 in a row. I'm seeing if their form changes. I'm making sure that even when they're tired, they can repeat the exact form I want them to take that they need in the fourth quarter of a real game. 
uh, workout guy will be, oh, you got to make five to move on without any thought to, well, he's just chucking the ball. That isn't repeatable in a game too often. And then you have just guys who run open runs. And sometimes it's, you can be a player development guy and have open runs. You can be a workout guy, have open runs. They're just pickup basketball, the Drew League, all of it. Um, it's, it's just pickup basketball. It's just fun. <laughs> Summer League, at least, are trying hard on defense. That is not the case in these games. I, I said to a player last night, very, very good player last night, who's playing in one of these real famous you know, pickup games. I said, um, you know, you're, you're supposed to be working on faking more. But in the video that I've seen of you, I don't see it. Is it because how can you fake a defender who doesn't care that you're getting a shot off? (laughs) He laughed. He's like, exactly. Like, I can get any shot I want. No one's really trying to keep me from getting the shot off. And so I said, great. You need to work on your fakes anyway, because I want you to start doing it when your season, your training camp begins September. So the reality is, it, some these remember this, and you, you and I talk about the Kevin Durant all the time because you love him so much, as do I. That dude just loves to play, and that's common. Most of these guys, it's it's their happy place. <laughs> Great. I mean, I know I used to be the same way when I was a younger man. I just loved the hoop, and um, these guys love to hoop. It doesn't mean they're getting better, and we and it doesn't mean we should take anything from anything we're watching to include James Harden. If, if the <laughs> If the best we're seeing of James Harden is that he looks like he did in the spring, which was in shape, mm-hmm. well, great. I, I will admit, better that you're in shape now mm-hmm. uh, before the season starts than two months into the season. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he's going to go back to scoring 30 a game. He's still the older guy that he was at the end of the season that was just an average player at best. So, um, I, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, and honestly, one of my biggest, maybe my biggest pet peeve of this offseason, every offseason is when the NBA teams themselves through social media show a player doing video and with the, with the words typically putting in work. So, <laughs> I knew this is going to get you mad. <laughs> so I, I know what real work looks like in a, in a workout. <laughs> well, walking, just I walk 90 miles a month. <laughs> I'm not working. I'm 50 fucking seven and a half. Uh, you would, I may sweat a little bit because it's Florida. <laughs> when I was in Colorado, I got a couple of beads of sweat in the dry air. We were up in the mountains and I, we hiked a long way up hills. But that isn't really work. When these guys are kind of guiding, gliding through drills and uh, when you see intensity, that's work. And I'm not saying some of these guys don't do that. They do. But just because they're in the gym shooting doesn't right. mean they're working. Let's be a little right. bit more specific right. about what our what our expectation and demands are. Um, I, I tell you what's I tell you who's working. LeBron James is working mm-hmm. because look at that body. Yeah, yeah. Like he he he, he that doesn't that sculpted body at that age uh, is not coming because he's just eating well. Mm-hmm. No, he's working for sure. I think most guys are working. We tend not to see that on tape. Let me tell you how you know. Here's how you know when you're seeing clips of guys working or not. When you only see them make shots. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody makes all their shots when they're working, especially right. if they're working on stuff they're not as good at. Like if you go, I, I don't ever post stuff NBA players, but I'll post stuff of my son and some European guys. You'll see lots of misses. Lots of misses. Because we're working. Like it's just like you can't, you can't, that article you cited earlier, 
I mean, I think at one point I looked at, you know, 100 comments or 85 or something comments. That was as of this morning from the editors and myself. Yeah. You know, that the final piece is not how it started, right? right as you know, as a writer. <laughs> yeah. So um, real work requires lots of mistakes and misses yeah. and missed dribbles. I think I wrote a chapter in my book. We, it's called Standing Ovations for Turnovers. We're, <laughs> we're all applauding when our guys lose the ball in a workout. Because if, if well, if they lose the ball when they're not trying, well, they're not going to make the NBA. Yeah. They're losing yeah. the ball because they're just giving great effort and they messed up. Beautiful. That's how we get better. Yeah. No, it, it is so funny because it ties into what you said about, you know, the 99.9% of people don't know what they're looking for, right? Yeah. So when you watch for pickup, let's say you're a Hawks fan and you see Trey Young and Drew League score like 50 and like, it's like, yeah, but that's, it's the Drew League. I'm not saying guys aren't trying. But that ain't the work that Trey is putting in, putting in work. So that come this coming season, if the Hawks are going to be a top five, it ain't that Drew League stuff. Like that, that's not that's not it. <laughs> to, to pick up your point, so every I have two things to say. Every player that I know of that's playing in these games has already done a private workout early in the day. Doesn't mean they got better in that workout either, unless they were working with the right guy and working hard. But they were doing their own thing first. These are just pickup games. Okay. And, oh, the year was probably 1990. I maybe told the story once before. There was a, we, had a, we had a Clearwater Pro-Am League, which was made up of very good former college players, maybe some European professionals in the Tampa Bay area, good players. And uh, I sent a high school kid that I had who was 6'6", 300 pounds, rising junior. It was Lon Kruger's first day in Florida as the head coach of the Florida Gators. He came to go see the game with me. And my rising junior in high school, high school, mm -hmm. scored 50 points <laughs> against mostly college players and old pros. And uh, Lon Kruger offered him on the spot, as you can imagine. But he was 16 years old. So let's, <laughs> let's check ourselves when these NBA <laughs> players score a bunch of points. I, I think the competition is probably better than the Tampa Bay Pro-Am League right. uh, from 1990. But the message is the same. It's just uh, we can be happy that they're doing well, but let's... It just, it has no, almost no connection to the NBA, except that they have a court and two baskets, 10 players and a basketball. That's it. Uh, I, this is great. I, I got a question for you because this is fascinating. And those who love basketball love this. All right. So when you design a workout for a player, yeah. and to your point, you don't really care if he's making the shots or it's more about what does his form look like? How do, how do players typically react in that first workout when they're like, no, but coach, I, I missed five in a row. Like, I, I can't, like, how do, the, how do you coach them through those, through the misses? Or are most of them like, well, I'm, they know, like, my form's fine. It'll be okay. It depends on who they are and, and their age. Um, I had a, a really good player this summer. He loved to yell, fuck, as loud as he could if you missed three <laughs> in a row. And, and he's not a great shooter. He's a good shooter, not a great shooter. And so I told him, uh, stressed muscles don't perform well. I said, a, a golfer that's stressed over what happened the last round or the last swing mm -hmm. is almost for sure going to slice the ball. He's not free to swing. A shooter that's stressed is almost always going to be short. His muscles are tight. We, we just have to let it go. We have to let it go. Uh, be mindful of what you, how it felt and move on to the next shot. So we, co we coach that are pretty good. Um, I would say 100%, 100%. Of my best shooters, and I probably have had, I don't know, seven or eight 40 plus percent NBA three point shooters, uh, none of them ever reacted. And I feel like that there's something to be learned from that. 
They they know as as I say all the time, uh, w- when you're flipping coins, and tails comes up ten in a row, heads ain't worried. Right, heads ain't <laughs> worried, man. And so you need to be that kind of shooter that you might miss six, seven, eight in a row, but you know you're shooting it the right way with good form. It feels great. Your day's coming, just like heads day is coming. And uh, it, I, I'm happy to say that over time, most of them, they still might curse a little bit, but it's it's a lot less energized. And then you could almost still, they curse. Like, I, I, I think I've said this once before. I taught my son this. I copied it from Udonis. Udonis, my first, you know, pro client, well, first NBA client, when he would mess up, he would one super, supersonic clap. Boom, he clapped really hard. And then I, this was in my gym. But then I noticed in games, he'd blow a bunny, blow a little 10-footer or whatever. He'd, he'd have a rebound fall out of his hands. He'd race back on defense because he was well-coached all his life. And then as soon as there was kind of lull in play, you would see, even if while the game was still going on, it wasn't just an out of bounds. He would do the clap. And I thought it was genius. It was his way of just dealing with it, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. I, and so I told my son that he was young, and I don't know anymore. I don't see him much anymore. He was doing that through high school. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah. And so sometimes I think some of these players now, once I teach them about stress muscles, they'll cuss one time, and then it's just out of their bodies. And that's what it needs to be. Next play, next play, next play. Because psychologically, you would agree. They have to acknowledge that, right? And allow them, and then, but not, not dwell, right? Acknowledge, okay. So if you clap or you're whatever you need to do, get it out, we move on, right? But there has to be, for a lot of them, some kind of acknowledgement. Right, well, and you can learn. if You, you, you would never want to miss the same kind of shot the same way twice in a row. If you're short, be mindful that you were short. If you were long, back of the rim, but center of the rim, back of the rim. Uh, I always say a little more arc, it goes right in. A little more power going up, it'll go right through instead of hitting the back of the rim. So be mindful and go on. Uh, I grew up, as you know, in Florida where football mm-hmm. is king. And uh, I was a quarterback. And I would love defensive backs who would beat themselves up if we beat them on a play. <laughs> because I got them. If, if I beat them deep, oh, I know I got the next 15-yard outs, no problem. Mm-hmm. He ain't going to – he's not going to – this is, you know, we are t- 14. Mm-hmm. He ain't going to take any chances. I already beat him deep once. But that's not how you play defense. Like, if I beat you deep, I, you, you still got to defend the out pattern and the deep pattern, too. And that's a huge part of being a football player. Same as baseball. Baseball, all these games are mistake games. There's no such thing as a mistake-free game. None. This is never going to happen in any sport. You've got to be resolved to get through that and not let it affect you. And not a, not a, you have to have grace under pressure even when you're failing. Or, or otherwise, you'll never get out of the, whatever mistakes you're making. For sure. Uh, there's a video that circulated of LeBron, Bronny, and Bryce Maximus at the Lakers facility in El Segundo going through some drills and working. I don't know if you spotted this, Coach. Bryce Maximus, who's in ninth grade, not a senior like his older brother, looks taller than Bronny. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, I've read about it. I, I, I saw it. I didn't think about that, but I've read about it, that he's got a chance to be more like his dad's size. I, it looks like it. And, you know, you come from a family of, of brothers – yeah. I feel like there's something about the youngest brother yeah. in that they, it, isn't, it isn't always a one-to-one. They're not always the best, but they often end up being really, really good because they have to compete against their older brothers all the time. And in his case, his older brother and his dad, right? To like sort of get quote-unquote bragging rights. And that in some instances causes your growth development and your curve, right? To accelerate a little bit quicker than someone else who maybe, who's maybe the older brother doesn't have that to worry about. I think that part is true. And then the other part I think is most parents, 
uh, uh, they overparent their firstborn. Mm-hmm. And by the third one, they're just tired. <laughs> you know, you just, I mean, I, I only have two and they're twins, so it's not quite the same. But my, my youngest brother, Rick, who is, you know, 52 now, very, very successful guy, but he used to call himself like Mr. TJ Maxx. Because he, he wasn't going to the department stores, but by the time he was around, he was, he was lucky to get the discount TJ Maxx stores for back to school, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, we, I always thought that was kind of cute. They're just tired. So um, I, I do think having, I, for sure, my brothers played with my friends, for sure. It definitely helped them. I didn't have that. I didn't have that good fortune. Uh, but in Bryce's case, he also just gets to be taller. You know, if he's going to be six, seven, six, eight in this game, that matters. It <laughs> yep. really, it really I, makes I a difference. <laughs> it wouldn't matter so much if the basket was 30 feet high. Right. I don't think a few inches matters when no. there's that, but on 10 feet, 10. oh, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah. And if he can really jump and all that too, I mean, you know, LeBron was lucky enough that at 15, I heard, I mean, I knew his coaches that, that Nike had already, was already buying equipment for uh, St. Vincent. St. Mary's, Mary's, I think was the name of the mm-hmm. school, right? SVSM. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was doing some training at 15. These, these James boys <laughs> ha- are not just getting the best equipment. They're getting the best minds yeah. to build their bodies. And, new- and they probably have a chef and all of that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, look what happened to LeBron. He even starts when he was 15. He, I, mean, I know he didn't have a chef growing up. He had a cook, his mom. Mm-hmm. He didn't have mm-hmm. a chef. Uh, the eight way eight. Um, it worked out just fine. But uh, these guys are starting, you know, they're, they're almost like in a lab from the beginning. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it's all fascinating. Anyway, watching Brian develop in summer mixtape season, folks, you know, it's all it's all fun. Enjoy it all, you know. Watch it with, uh, you know, just just enjoy it for what it is. <laughs> Don't take right, things exactly that seriously. Um, one of our favorite coaches, and you know, maybe the best coach in the league, Ty Lue, at least according to his player Reggie Jackson, said that Ty is the best coach in the league, and I think you know those things are kind of subjective, right? How do you determine who is the best coach, the best X's and O guy, the best motivator guy, the be- right? There's all these different ways in which you can categorize best. But I think you and I would agree that if you're talking about best coaches in the league on any short list, Ty Lue's for sure at, near, at or near the top of that list. He's on my list. I, I look at it as the old Bear Bryant quote. He could take Urine and he, you could take urine, Y O U R apostrophe N, right, and beat his in, mm-hmm. and he could take his in and beat urine, which is always mm-hmm. did. That's that's exactly how I always strive. That was my aspiration as a coach: is no matter what my talent is, I'm going to find a way to beat you. I took it very personally, and um, I that's how I evaluate these guys now. Uh, that's not to say that there are some coaches in great situations where only they could win there but maybe they couldn't win with a different situation. That doesn't make them a great coach. That doesn't mean they did a bad job coaching their team. If, it, if it's just a perfect fit, well, credit to management, credit to players mm-hmm. too. So um, I, I have to list Steve Kerr number one right now. Mm-hmm. I just, I, what he's done, what he's built, uh, A to Z, off the court. You know, uh, I don't think any of these players can doubt his humanity. Mm-hmm. His interest in who they are as people, I think that matters. Um, but Ty Lue's on my short list as sure. a guy that finds ways to win games. Uh, his approach is really professional, really under control. I always feel like he's under control. Mm-hmm. I love that about him. And uh, I think they're loaded this year. I- I'm very excited about what we're going to see from the Clippers and Ty Lue this year. I mean, to your point, 
what they need is 65 games from Kawhi and each from Kawhi and Paul George. And this team's going to be a nightmare because yeah. we talk about apex predator wings. I mean, those are two of the best, right? Like, and very deep team. Right. You, you just, there's not a whole lot of teams that can match up with that on the wings, right? It's like, okay, great. Okay. And then to your point and throw on the depth on top of that. Right. Cause then when you have that, everyone's in their natural roles, right? Now Reggie Jackson doesn't have to do too much. Now Terrence Mann doesn't have to do too much, right? Everyone has right. to do what they do. I mean, that's the key for every team, right? Yep. When you're healthy and everyone can perform within their roles, well, that's the teams that roll and win. It's when you force guys to go, mm, this is not really within your wheelhouse. Now you got to stretch a bit more, right? Some guys can, other guys can't, right? It causes problems. I think this is what we saw for different reasons in the finals, right? Like Boston didn't have enough guys who could stretch a little bit more, right? Injuries played a part in that, of course, but this is... These are the margins, right? This this is how you win. I think Nick Nurse is probably on that list too, right? What I like about coaches like Ty and Nick are guys who aren't married to their systems right. and dogmatic in their, pro- in their approach, right? Agreed. Like, look, man, if that ain't working, scrap, we're doing something else. Like, because to your point, the goal is winning. I don't care how it looks once we get the W, right? And I think some coaches, as you know, no, it's my system. It's just I got to force them into this situation. We can actually go back and look at Steve Kerr, right? who probably has changed a, a bit over time, right? Maybe forcing James Wiseman, for instance, to do things eh, maybe he wasn't really ready to do and yeah. saying, you know what? Let's make you do this instead. Yeah, so, right. I think that, like, Ime Adoka uh, was amazing this year. He made a huge adjustment with how we, how we had their defense feature Robert Williams. But he's very uh, ideological in his approach, very dogmatic, mm-hmm. and we're going to play this way. Uh, give him time. I have no idea. I have no reason to think he won't get better. Most guys do get better, whatever they're practicing, 82-plus games a year. You know, he, 100 games he has under his belt this year, if not more, with preseason two. So um, I think you got to be pragmatic. I, that's my preference. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I got a quote the other day. I listened to my son's coach, Leonard Hamilton, speak on a podcast. And he was asked by the, the, uh, the uh, interviewer, they're in Canada right now playing – Three scrimmages and three games. Uh, once every four years, you can do that. You can travel as a college team. They, he was asked about how he's going to evaluate his player development because mm-hmm. he's, got, he's got a bunch of new guys on the team. And he had a great line. He said, um, we're going to evaluate the development of our execution. I really like that. Orlando, Houston, Oklahoma City, these teams with young players, talented players who are far from being able to win a bunch of games, how is their execution level? Which goes to the same point that we were making earlier about Bronny. Even if we miss the shot, even if we fail at the end to make the play defensively, did we do everything else right? Because if you do all those things right, the next step is that final step. But you can't get to that final step without the other ones first. If we do all that, our guys will start making more shots. The game slows down. So we have to, and so if you're a coach that gets guys to, to execute really well, you deserve a lot of credit for that. And now you just got to finish the deal and get them to actually win games because of that, that good execution. So there's a lot of guys, you know, we're going to be evaluating this year because there's a lot of young teams with yeah. all those draft picks. No one expects them to win games. Let's see how they do. Absolutely. So you have that piece of it. And then there is the, this is still work. This is a workplace, right? Who makes this a fun place to come to work? And Steve Kerr, what we talked about, right? One of the best at that, Ty Lu. you know, I think, and this is not just because we are presidents and vice presidents of the Memphis Grizzlies fan club. I think Taylor Jenkins makes work 
a fun place for his guys to come in and, and come to work, right? Um, I think he's getting there as an X and O's guy. To your point, like time, things develop over time, right? You get better at that. Um, but I think that's another piece of it, right? Do, is the environment fun? Do I want to even listen to this dude, right? Forget about is what he's, is what he's saying even right. Do I even want to hear from this guy, right? And that's, that's a whole other skill you have to have developed as well. Yeah, I think I told you maybe early this summer, there's teams now that, are, that have DJs or live mu- are playing music in their practices. They're trying to make it a fun place to come. It, it's been over a decade now where teams in all sports are, have revamped their locker rooms mm-hmm. and made it more like a country club. Well, there are maybe people who may not know what a country club looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know until uh, I started playing golf in my 30s and joined a club near my house. Oh, they're nice. <laughs> they're nice. They're nice locker rooms and showers and every kind of cologne you can have. <laughs> I was in the El Segundo facility this <laughs> summer, and their bathrooms are nice. I, I just use the restroom. <laughs> they have a beautiful Japanese garden for lunch. It was just really a lovely scene. I didn't see if they had a rec room. I saw one room with TVs, whatever, but there's ping pong tables and, and billiards, whatever. They want guys to be around. You want them around at nine to five. Game days are different. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just come in for two hours of practice, go home. You can, mm-hmm. but probably better if you're here more, just like any job. So uh, that's all part of it. Same thing with practice. Let's make sure, practice energetic, learning, get work in. We don't want it to be a place where you're dreading to come to. Yes. Uh, we don't generally do this on the show, uh, but breaking news just came in while we were recording. Uh, Brittany Griner sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison after being found guilty of drug possession and smuggling. Um, you know, we can get into it another time, um, for lack of a better term, she is a pawn in a geopolitical high-stakes game of chess, right? Like now, did she do something that was against Russian laws? Yes, obviously, right? Traveling with vape cartridges or any, doesn't matter what it is, wrong on their part. But all of this sort of like performative, lengthy drawing out and holding her and now the nine, this is all again, a, a, a game of high stakes political chess between the United States and, and Russia. And it's unfortunate that she, she is the pawn in this game. I'm sick over it. I, I still hope they can find out a solution. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm not confident. I'm hopeful that they will. And um, I understand why she went to Russia. She gets paid a lot of money and mm-hmm. I want her to make mm-hmm. a lot of money. I want Britain to make a lot of money wherever she go, wherever uh, that can be. But um, there should be a message to all of our players now, men and women, Avoid all these uh, these these despotic tyrants. Just don't. It's not worth it. It's not worth the risk. I ain't I ain't traveling any of those places. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, and if you have to travel, just again, you're be mindful of the laws in those countries and just abide by them. Don't. It's like don't give. Don't even give it an opportunity for anything for sure. to happen. Right. Don't even yeah. allow for an opportunity. Um. So anyway, that's the situation there. I'm sure more it's will okay. develop uh yeah. over time. You know, you have been, I would say, um, optimistic about potentially the Lakers season coming up. Not so much, you know, about the old guys, but, you know, if the old guys are healthy, fine. But it's more about a player that hadn't played for them at all yet. And you think if this guy plays, he could be a difference maker, assuming LeBron and Anthony Davis each play 65 games. Um, And that is Kendrick Nunn. Why do you feel so strongly about Kendrick Nunn? Yeah, he's a good offensive player. He's got some quickness. He's got a, he's, he's good at slithering to the basket. He's got a lot of toughness. Um, you know, there was a period of time when the Heat went to the finals where 
he was one of their better players. He was out for a good amount in the playoffs, and I think that hurt them. And then he came in and did pretty well for a few games. Um, they just need other weapons, and he can be one. He's not a good defensive player, although with some of the guys they have, uh, that maybe he'll be better because of AD and LeBron when, they, when those guys want to play defense. Darvin Ham, I think, will do a good job, too, of getting them to execute their defensive strategies, like Frank Vogel did. Mm-hmm. But um, they need offensive help, and especially when LeBron's resting. And I think right. Kendrick can provide that. Like, I hope He hasn't played five-on-five five yet. Um, so it's going to be a while, but if he comes around there, I just, I just think he can make a difference for them. And he's young. <laughs> I mean, like, right. The, when 26 you're a team, now, yeah. Right, when you're yeah. a team full of old dudes over 30, 20 yeah. somethings who can play. Right. Always helpful. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, you, you had a question about Miles Bridges from the Charlotte Hornets and what should they do there? I, you know, obviously everybody knows arrested for felony domestic assault, the, Pictures were terrible. The post by his wife, terrible. I think the, uh, their son witnessed it. All of it bad. Look, uh, just as a human being, um, I don't know how these leagues sort of, because we know the NFL has been atrocious at this for decades, and they continue to be. You know, the NFL, the NBA has an opportunity. To, they like to be sort of like leaders in certain areas. I mean, well, here's an opportunity, right? Like, there's a problem here, right? Like you don't do that kind of alleged violence unless something is going on, right? With you as, as a person. Um, and what is going on? I don't know. I'm not equipped to diagnose, figure out whatever, but some kind of intervention and thing needs to happen there that is far more important than basketball. Um, and I just feel like if the NBA wants to be sort of a leader in this, this is an area where they can really put their money where their mouth is and say, Okay, no, you're not playing. And then figure out some kind of CBA rule or whatever where the team doesn't get penalized, all that. But no, he has to go through legitimate, serious counseling work, whatever the different things are to figure out what is it that caused you to do this horrible thing? And how do we prevent it? I agree. Uh, I think they have to do their own research and investigation beyond a court trial that probably happens Mm -hmm. or or maybe happens. Um, If you are convinced he did it, whether he's found innocent or not, there has to be major steps. Five-year suspensions, three-year suspensions. Let him go play somewhere else. But uh, I'd like to see the league take a stand on a few things, and that, that's one of them. Like just uh, uh, do your research. Find out what, what happened. It's one thing if, if you're beating someone off of you. I don't think anyone's thinking that's the case. But you're allowed to look and see. But we, we, can't, have, we, can't, we can't have you doing it to... Your, uh, your partner uh, or your kids or anyone. We can't be having battery. It's part of mm-hmm. the vernacular of the NBA experience. Mm-hmm. And we need to have incredibly stiff penalties for it. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we'll stay tuned to see what the Hornets are going to do. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is <laughs> Michael Jordan has enough problems being an owner in terms of putting his teams together. Like, this, this ain't helping. Right. No. This is not, you, you got an overpaid Gordon Hayward. You got, you got a lot of problems on that squad. Like I, LaMelo ball, only bright spot you got, uh, you know, it might be yeah. once again, another time, another tear down and rebuild. It seems like they do one every year over there, but it's just, <laughs> it, 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 it's just not working out well. Um, tampering. So the Knicks of course are going to be investigated for tampering. The Sixers are going to be investigated for tampering. Let's just, you know, pull the curtain back for everyone listening. Tampering happens all the time in the NBA. Everyone knows everyone and everyone talks to everyone. That's just the nature of this league. Now, 
how can the league actually police it? I have no idea. I think every once in a while, they have to make an example out of somebody. So this year, the Knicks and the Knicks, rightfully so, gets a made example of because you were just stupid with your tampering. You were just out in the open. You, 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 you're, you didn't make the playoffs. You fly Leon Rose and William Wesley, your two most prominent executives, to the Mavericks playoff game. You sit courtside right behind. I mean, come on. Like, at least go to a suite so no cameras are on you. So you deserve to get whatever fine you get because you were just blatant about yours. So whatever. And then the Sixers, everyone knows Daryl and, 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 and James Harden have like a bromance. Like, I mean, what? We know this. What'd you think? When he left Houston, they were going to lose each other's cell phones and never talk? Like, this is, this is silly. Of course they're going to talk. So I just, the whole idea and notion of tampering is dumb because if you're either going to police it all the way, which I don't know how you can because, again, everyone knows everybody, or you just say, oh, forget it. But it's the look of the thing, right? You can't make it seem like executives are talking to players on other teams because it makes the sport look bad from a competitive balance standpoint. But you and I know it happens all the time. Yeah, so just get, I agree. So get rid of the rule. If you're not going to enforce it, what's the point of having it? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, we're true hoop for a reason. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's get the truth. And if the truth is you're not going to enforce the rule, then what are we having the rule for? And so then we have to talk about it anymore. You know? And again, I don't even know how you police it unless you literally right. like. I agree. And you, cause you can't sequester everybody's phone records. Like that's, you just can't, you can't be like, no, I need your phone records. You can't just do that. So I don't know how you, how you monitor it. So, you know, it just, stuff happens, right? Guys talk to each other. It is what it is. We wish they didn't, but look, this is the nation league. When, when I was a high school coach, the big thing was recruiting for public mm-hmm. schools. You couldn't do it. Uh, I used to always tell our players and their parents, uh, I don't care who talks to you. Like, and if you don't want to be here, I'll be happy to make a, an honest phone call to any coach you want. But uh, I laughed at the idea that someone's going to recruit my guys from me. Now, there was no money that could be involved. It's different <laughs> right. in the NBA. But you, you were never going to get one of my guys to leave because we did our job. Mm-hmm. You, we, they knew they were getting their best coaches possible. So um, let it, let's let it happen. Let, let these guys tamper all they want. These are grown people we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Apple can't sue Microsoft for tampering, can they? No. Unless they sign a deal. Right. That, now you made a, that, you made you know, a non-compete clause and you kind of level, right? But that's a that's very a, different thing than, right, you know. Just talking. Right. So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, we're, we're going to close out here. We're going to add this sort of like new segment where Gerard has a thought about something basketball related and coach Thorpe is going to tell him whether he's right or wrong, strictly based on basketball and X's and O's. And it's all tied around, you know, th- at least in this, it- this iteration that we're doing today, a breakout candidate, uh, for next season. So I know there's someone you have as a breakout candidate that you are thinking of. Um, so I'm curious to hear who and why you think this player will be a breakout candidate next season. Yeah, you're, you'll, be, you'll have a better breakout candidate than me. I'm just real excited to see Alonzo Ball play healthy. Mm-hmm. He, he looked like he was about to burst into uh, all-star range, all-NBA mm-hmm. range. Great yeah. shooter, great mm-hmm. passer, runs your team, uh, high-level defender, winner. Um, you know, he doesn't look like Kyle Lowry. He doesn't necessarily play like Kyle Lowry in terms of the charges taken, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Similar kind of impact, winner mm-hmm. on both ends. And so he was hurt last year. I want to see him at full strength this year with a, good, a very good Bulls team. I think that'd be, uh, I think we're going to see that. I love that pick because as I talked about at the top of the show, it's about roles. That role on that team where you've got DeMar and Zach Levine 
Yeah. He don't got to be the alpha yeah. number one scorer. Yeah, scoring 25 a game, right. He can do right. what he does best, facilitate, play D, knock down open shots, do all the winning plays. Like that, yeah. Again, roles. This, and this is why the Bulls suffered last year because he was hurt. If he was in the lineup, they, who knows? They, may, they play better, they advance. Who, who knows what happens? So I love that as, as a breakout player. Uh, I think there are a lot of guys who I liked um, coach this this past summer. I'm excited to see what happens with the guys in Golden State, Kaminga and Moody. I could see a scenario where, you know, the Warriors want to get ultra shooty and spacey. They go Steph, Clay, Moody, Thompson, and Kaminga is their big, right? It's 6'8 or whatever the hell he is. And now you just got shooting everywhere, right? Like, oh, I... Right, like I'm just so Steve Kerr's got a plethora of possibilities, so I'm very curious to see what happens. What but, happens with, but, but, no, no, but oh, give give me your Grizzlies player. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be fair here. We're we're moving towards the Memphis Grizzlies player, which listen, I knew when I put it in the document we're gonna get, which I'm all for. Folks, you know, you, listen, we are. <laughs> I am in the tank for the Grizzlies. Love these guys. So it's two players I'm looking at, Coach. Okay, Xavier Tillman, senior. And Santiago Dama, and here's why. Mainly, because you actually hit me to this, because you know I got all bummed out when Jaron hurt himself, and I was like, great, another year of development. He's not going to have this summer. He's not going to play till December. And you were like, yeah, but somebody else is going to get playing time. And I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so I know Brandon Clark's going to get playing time. I know he's like, he always keeps playing time He's a good anyway. player. Right, so I'm, I'm not worried about him. But I think these other two guys are going to move up a notch in the rotation, and I'm very curious to see what they can do. Uh, Tillman, we saw a bunch last year. I wonder what he can do, but Santi intrigues me because of the shooting I saw him put on. Now, it's summer league, I know. I didn't get too excited, but tell me why I shouldn't get too excited about Santi Aldama. Or maybe I'm right to be excited. No, honestly, I don't know a lot about his game, but I think your, your head's in the right place. I, I'm, not, I'm not as sure Tillman has that kind of upside yeah. as Salty does. So mm-hmm. um, I think you're right. I think they're going to start phasing Adams out just a little bit uh, try to get these guys to play more, see what they got with him. So that's what you're talking about is they're going to get more opportunity. And now one of them or both have to take, take advantage of it for a team that we think is going to project again as a final four candidate, not, mm-hmm. not a shoe in this mm-hmm. league's too loaded no. for that. Too uh, the, if the two LA teams played in the Western finals, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the Lakers might be a seven seed, mm-hmm. like, but they're, they're talented. And if those guys are healthy come playoff time, they won't be easy to beat. So yeah. Memphis has a lot, to, a lot to fight with, but yeah, this is, they got to replace a big player and Adams takes on such a, a role as a rebounder, you know, d- defensive guy in the mm-hmm. muck. These guys can do other things because yeah. he can, he can do that. He can have their back. And, and, and that, and that's what I, that's what I want to see. Right. Because Jaron was all defense this year. Like we know what he can do, shooting the ball, et cetera. So they're not going to make up for that, but. What I liked about Santi during summer league was, first of all, you know my, my basketball love language, tall dudes who can shoot. He's 6'10", <laughs> shot 57% from the field, 38% from three, right? Like I, because we talk about the rim is 10 feet, tall dudes matter, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. I, I love the size. And I'm like, if you could space out the floor a bit, grab boards, he had a game 31, nine and eight in the, in the, uh, pre, in the summer league. So yeah, yeah. so I want to see, because again, he's going to have to play because Sharon's out. So it'll be just very interesting to see what kind of, you know, and do the, uh, here's another interesting thing I wonder about Memphis coach. Do they have the six? See, it's easy when you're doing the hunting, right? Versus when you're yeah. the hunted. Yeah. So last year, 
when they started, what was it, 12 and 12, they were 500 or, you know, nobody panicking because I don't know anybody expected them to be a two seed. Well, this year without Jaron, let's just say things start out funky and weird and they're 500 at like, you know, December 10 mark. Do people, and I don't mean fans, inside the organization start panicking and going, crap, we got to trade and do this. And I hope they don't. Hope this goes. It's 82 games. Ride it out. We'll be fine. That, that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I picked Golden State to beat them in the, in the playoffs mm-hmm. because I just thought it's going to be different when you're hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, now you're being the hunted. You're the favorite. You're the higher mm-hmm. seed. And so, but they've got a year of experience with that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jaws got the experience of playing great and then also watching the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think their coach is great. Taylor is yeah. very good. Yeah. Uh, those two guys are intriguing to watch. I, I wouldn't have thought of them because I'm not as smart as you. I, I don't know what, I don't know, I don't even know who I'd pick as a pure uh, a breakout guy. It's got to be someone that you define as great. Someone's going to have an increased role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be great for Isaac Okoro to be that guy. Oh, I'd love to see that. He's going to get Cleveland. the time. No one mm-hmm. guards him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's going to do anything with it. Yeah. Um, that's why I just, yeah, I just, uh, I'm excited to see Lonzo. I want, there's so much attention on his younger brother. I feel like he's got a little pride about for hey, sure. don't forget about me. I'm really I'm good. Pretty, he's I'm, a I'm really he's good. a really good he's a really good player. Yeah. I think Keegan Murray, I know he he's gonna get a lot of opportunity like in Sacramento. And he he played well in summer league. I'm curious what the Knicks do with Quentin Grimes. I liked a lot of what I saw from him. You know, all these guys who already played in the league and did a year two in summer league. Right. You know who this is big for? Yes, Memphis Grizzlies again. But Desmond Bain, this is huge. He played summer league last season. Yeah, had a big it. time season yeah. this season. Yeah. So this is, you know, this this is what happens. Yeah. All right, folks. Hope you enjoy our Thursday edition of Bring It In. This is what it's going to be now uh, for the foreseeable future, I guess. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see as the season goes on and things get out of control and we're right. back to four games in five nights and we're like, oh right. my God. <laughs> Drinking through a water hose. Uh, but everyone, enjoy your weekend. Don't forget, we will have some uh, special guests throughout the rest of August and we will see you on Monday. Take care. <laughs>